Taylor Walker from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Midway through the 50 most relevant. Hello, you've got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're enjoying this list as we make our way through who I believe are the most relevant players universally for all salary cap formats of the game. Joining me to talk about the number 35 player, who is Brody Smith in the 50 Most Relevant. I've got Tim on the line. Hello, mate. How are you? Hey, MJ. How's it going? Mate, it's good. I'm actually pretty excited to talk about this Adelaide Crow. He's a dashing defender, and he missed most of the 2018 season. And while for some coaches he's on their never-again list, um, the coaches that do go after him, I think there's some value for you. He's still in his mid-20s, a defender. And even though he only played a couple of games coming back from an ACL injury last year, he still scored relatively well in 50% of the games he played. He played two games. Uh, his best score in fantasy <laughs> last... Sorry, man. I was going to say, he only played two games. Only played two, but it doesn't matter, man. Look, his best score last year, uh, both games were against the Giants. It was a 101 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, a 129 in Supercoach. Average 77.5 in AFL Fantasy, but he's not priced at that average. He does have a discount similar in Dream Team as well as Supercoach, 87.5, but he's not priced at that. Where he is priced at is around about kind of... Mid to high 50s across the format. So he's going to set you back just over 332,000 in Supercoach, 439,000 in AFL Fantasy, and 388,000 in the final format in Dream Team. I guess, Tim, when we talk about Brody Smith and we'll look at his season last year and kind of the build-up in years previously, he's one of those guys that if you've been playing fantasy footy for a long period of time, He was a beloved premium a handful of years ago, and for other coaches now, he's just found his way onto the never-again list. Yeah, he's very much a never-again kind of player for some people, and sort of the backline version of Brent Stanton in a way, in that some games he just goes out and he just goes absolutely nuts and dominates and gets heaps of the ball. Um, And then other games he's very low. In the past, he's been very easily tagged whenever Mm. opponents have gone to him, and so he can be very much a yo-yo. Yeah, no, it's it's so true with him. And, and look, it is dangerous to go multiple years back in the past because players have changed, the way a club game style has evolved, the players in the club, and, and let alone the entirety of how the game of AFL, it, it evolves constantly. So it is dangerous to go too far back, but it's worth reminding ourselves of the scoring potential that Brody Smith does have. Back in 2014, yeah, I know it's a long period of time, but, but let's remind ourselves of what he can Deliver that year, he was honoured with All Australian selection, and he averaged for Supercoach ninety three point five, including nine scores over a ton. Three of those were over one thirty for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team coaches. He averaged eighty two that year and hit the triple figure mark in seven matches. Okay, that's a while ago. So let's let's come a little bit closer to home. In his last full season at AFL level, which is twenty seventeen, he averaged eighty two in Supercoach and scored on his average or higher. In 10 matches, four of those were tons, while for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he averaged 79. 13 of his matches that year were at that average point or above with four tons. And then check this, Tim. In his final 11 games for the season, he averaged 93 in Supercoach and AFL Fantasy, he averaged 80 
eight. There is scoring potential here that can verge right on premium numbers, and we're paying for a guy in his mid-50s. That's right. So if he averaged 93 and 88 in the last half of the season, it would suggest he was averaging in the low 70s in the first half of the Correct. season. Correct. Yeah, yeah. But um, that that was also the Crows' premiership year, wasn't it? So ad- Attempted a premiership. Attempted a grand final year, sorry. Um, but the, basically where I'm going with that is, would there be any difference in the Crows' personnel or game style that would affect him since that season? Like, Obviously, he missed most of last year, so... What would have changed for him since he had that good run home in 2017? The biggest inclusion in the Crows' defensive six between now and then is Wayne Miller. Um, because we've started to see someone like a Paul Seedsman used higher up the ground across the wing. So I don't think there's that impact. And while it is only a couple of games, and you can probably only really grade one game, because that first game coming back from ACL, uh, you're kind of always going to write that as a write-off in terms of the impact. But he's... Last real full game, you know, against the GWS side, that was with Miller, that was with Seeds when he turned up in that game. So there are some unique differences in the Crows lineup right now, but I also think a guy like a David Mackay doesn't fit into the Crows side anymore. So there's that extra run and gun player out of it. So I don't see there being a substantial enough difference in the Crows makeup to mean that he's not going to have the opportunity to be that dashing, damaging run with player because. Every club needs someone that's got the ability to to run and carry the ball out of defensive 50, up through the wings. He does that for Adelaide, but probably even more impressive than that is he's got one of the most booming and damaging right foots in the competition. Um, and against the Giants in that game, 29 disposals, 6 marks, 6 rebound 50s, and a team-high 599 metres gamed in that game. So when he's fit and firing, he is one of the elite rebounding defenders in the competition. Yeah, well put. And um, look, having someone like Miller up beside him and Seedsman as an option as well, if he's uh, maybe on the wing or something, but in the team, it probably makes it even less likely that Brody Smith would get attention from uh, that he's had in years gone by. So, I mean, you've got Gibbs in the team now too, I guess, not saying he's in the same role, but sure. just another quality you know, ball winner that you'd be choosing to leave around and go and tag Brody Smith instead would seem kind of a strange, strange thing to do, so... Well, that's what you, you know, you look at the teams that have dominated the AFL over the past couple of years, West Coast, Collingwood, Richmond, Adelaide, you know, these teams that have been, you know, maybe not Adelaide so much last year, but teams that have been contending for the flags. They've got multiple avenues to achieve their objective, whether it be to bring the ball up through the wings, you know, inside grunt, you know, elite ball users on the outside. Um, So the ability for Brody to come in the side, you know, is a huge win for the club. And even though of more recent seasons he struggled to hit those big fantasy premium numbers consistently the key i think for us this year is is we're not paying for brody at an 80s average going okay i'm banking on him being 90 we're paying for him to be in the 50s average to just do what he's done previously the past three to five years yeah that's right so he's priced at what around about mid 50s up to about 60 across the format yeah depending on the format you play yeah yeah, I think Supercoach is about 60, 61. And um, Supercoach tends to average more than Fantasy 2, of course. Yeah. So, you know, I guess looking back, I know you sort of went through his averages a little bit, but over the last five, six years in Supercoach, he's sort of fluctuated between low 90s and high 70s. And, yeah. um, and pretty consistently, you know, in the 70s or 80s, uh, 
probably in Supercoach in fantasy, it's probably five, ten points a season less than that. Yep. It's been pretty consistent, sort of high 70s really over the last five years. And um, and he really doesn't miss many games either, except for his knee last year. Yeah. He's only missed like, you know, one or two games a year going back about six years um, to the start of his career. So he, he doesn't, he's not injury prone player. He's fit at the moment. And, um, and as you're saying, he's got a good role. So sort of, as you say, the only real negative to him is if you don't think that his likely average is high enough to make enough money. Yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. You could probably put guys, maybe this is making it too simplistic, but you could probably put um, every player in the AFL from a fantasy perspective in, into five categories. One, fantasy irrelevant. Guys that are, are not going to make you any money um, and they're not going to score you any points and they're not priced at a position that's going to help you, so they're out. So we'll just put them. You've got cash cows, guys that are priced cheaply enough that'll score well enough that'll generate you and they're there just for cash. You've probably got stepping stones. Um, you know, this is very, you know, kind of broadly speaking. Guys that could be premiums, but are probably not. You're going to likely look to trade them on. And so at their price, they don't have to be premiums. You're there to kind of hedge your bets with both. You're going to get some cash generation out of them, and you're going to get some better points on field than you would with a cash cow. Then you've probably got a breakout candidate, a guy that you're going... No, no, no. They're close enough to a premium, but they're not quite there yet. But I believe they will be. And then you've got the big dogs, the the premiums. Um, I know that's a very elementary way to probably look at it, uh, and maybe too oversimplified. But I think someone like a Brody Smith, he's one of the more pure stepping stones in terms of could he do enough to stay in your side all year? Yeah, he he could. Now, will he be? Unlikely. But on the way between now and when you choose to trade him out, whether that be in the Adelaide buy, whether that be, you know, six, eight, ten rounds into the year, whatever it is, you're going to get the best of both worlds because you know there's going to be weeks he delivers numbers like a premium. You know there's going to be weeks where he may only give you a 60, but he's going to make you money on your investment and give you points on ground. I think that's a pretty good role for him. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it, isn't he? He's a stepping stone. Yep. He's, he's never averaged enough in Dream Team to potentially be a like a season-long premium. Um, so you'd be looking at him as a, a D7 if you're going to keep him all season. Yeah. Well, that's um, it. There's like which, 20-odd options at the moment in our backline for Dream Team and Fantasy that went over 80, you know, ballparking. It, it's not enough for you, but if you got desperate, you were burning trades left, right, and center. Look, it's not the worst D6 if you had to. No, that's right. Well, I mean, as you said, as long as he stays fit, which he yeah. really should based on history, then um, you could get by with that. That would be that would be certainly good enough. And, um, yeah, I think Supercoach is probably unlikely to be a keeper as a premium as well yeah. unless he hits his 94 average again. But same sort of thing as a fantasy in terms of a D7 or pinch hitting D6. Yeah, look, I think when you're entering into the year with Brody Smith, yes, you need to see him do it through the JLT series. The only reason I think you're not even at least keeping him on a watch list is if you've decided, especially in your back line, let alone elsewhere, you're going a pure guns and rookies approach. That's the only reason why he or someone that we spoke about the other day in a Dylan Robertson or a Pierce Hanley, the, the reason they're not in contention or consideration for you right now is purely you're like, nah. I'm not touching these stepping stones. I'm not touching mid-prices. I just want the best of the best, and I want cash generation cows, and that's all I'm going for. And I get that. Um, But I I think if you're looking for a potential stepping stone that has the capacity to verge on premiums, then I think Brody Smith 
needs to be in your JLT watch list and in consideration. For, for me, I, I don't know about for you, Tim, I'm keen on your take, but for me right now, I've got Brody Smith in every single format. Now, he's more locked away in some than others, and he's got some competition for spots. Like just yesterday, we talked about Piers Hanley the day before. Dylan Robertson, there's a reason these three are, are, are all grouped together. It's because, yes, in one format more than the other, their price point makes them more relevant. Yes, one's got a, a better ceiling than the other. Yes, others have shown they're a bit more likely to be a premium than the other. So there's all variations through there. But for me right now, I just like what I think Brody Smith could deliver in 2019. That may change throughout the year, but Right now, he's locked away in a couple of my formats. I think I've got him in all formats right now. That could change, but I like what I'm seeing based on his price, based on his potential. I think he's a serious watch list, if nothing else. Oh, definitely. you definitely got to be on a watch list. And uh, look, I think in Supercoach, um, I'd have, have, have him at the moment. So mm. he has a bit, certainly a bit more sort of difference between his likely average and uh, what he's priced at. The other two... He's certainly not a bad pick, and I'd probably prefer not to pick him. I'd probably prefer mm. to find someone who can rise up a little bit more than him across sure. whichever line that pushes me to, but he's he's probably on my backup tier at the moment. So if I can't find others that I'm comfortable with to get that, he's going to be a pretty safe guy to go up, you know, 100 grand or, or at least, if not more, um, I think in Fantasy and Dream Team, just because... He's just never averaged in the 50s before. You know he's going to average 70 to 80. Yeah, and the question for you is for you and your side and the way the other variables you're playing around with, you know, you may have two or three other, you know, stepping stones and mid-price and breakout options in other lines. Maybe it's too many for you, so you've got to change. But I definitely think if nothing else, he offers supreme potential value. And if you're looking for a in-between range option in your back line in any format, you can't discount what Brody Smith could deliver for you in 2019. You don't have to pick him. You don't have to pick anyone. But I think he needs to be seriously considered, and at very least, a watch list. Let's talk drafts, though, Tim, before we wrap up this episode. I, I, I think he's another one of these fascinating selections of where he goes in drafts. Based on previous seasonal averages in, in kind of Dream Team and Fantasy, that high 70s sort of average... You're probably picking that at a D4, um, maybe a D3, you know, depending on the, the depth of the league and how many coaches you've got. Um, and I think that's probably still about the spot you'll get Brody Smith. I still think people will be locking in, you know, one or two of those bigger top 20 defenders as best they can, looking in, you know, D3 for some speculative picks that have got the potential to be premiums. Then D4, chances are you're going... I'm just looking for some potential ceiling. I'm looking for a guy that could be a ripper option and win me a couple of matches and not cost me any. And Brody fits into that category for Dream Team and Fantasy. So I don't know about you, man, but I think D4 feels about right of where I feel comfortable going after him because he's done a full preseason. The injury issue is 18 months old for his body now. So there's not as many risks associated with him as maybe some of these other kind of stepping stone defenders. Yeah, I think that's about right. I'd have him D3, D4, depending on your draft strategy. So I think if you could get him at a D4 or later, you'd be wrapped. Um, I think you'd get him at D3 if you'd sort of left defenders a bit late. Yep. You might have got one or two early on and then just left them knowing that there's a lot of these sort of value guys that you hope other people will forget about one or two and just go and pick them off later. So 
um, if you've got similar guys to him at D4 and he's D3, then, then that's fine. Yeah, I think so. And, and Supercoach is probably similar. Historically, he'd go, you know, D3, maybe, gosh, maybe D2 is a little bit too excitable. But but again, I, I think just due to the, the injury discount, I think you might be jagging him at D4. You may miss him at that point on, so you may have to jump early if you really want to own him and you're really bullish on him. Um, you'll probably have to go that extra early round selection. But but I, I think D4, you'd, you'd see him turn up in, in a lot of popular leagues, in a seasonal league. And similar in a, in a, in a keeper league, I, I think he may be redrafted in a lot of leagues. I don't think he'd be held tightly, depending on the amount of keepers you've got in your site. But I think he's still aged at a, a good enough position. He's going to keep that defensive status for a long period of time. I, I think the question of where you go after him in terms of a, a keeper league depends in part in an existing, how many you've got to keep, and what defenders you've already got on your list. Yeah, that's right. And he's not that old. He's only he's just tw- turned 27. Yeah, 27, yeah. 27 in, uh, in mid-January, I think. So it's you know, it's just happening as we speak around about now. So he's uh, he's got plenty of years left and he's been durable until now. So I think the thing that hurts him is he doesn't really push on too much. I mean, Grant Birchall someone who a few years ago had a lot of value, even though he'd never really had a huge average. He was just sort of low 80s every year. Yeah. And Brody Smith probably about five points off that, generally speaking, over his, his career. So he has some value. We will, we will be kept in some, as you say, if it's... Uh, slightly deeper but um it'd certainly be a you know a popular sort of early redraft defender i think because people will look at him and go look he's pretty solid for a 75 to 80 average yeah no look i, I think he's a really great option for us as in drafts um he presents value uh, in salary caps he presents value i think the only reason you're not considering probably two reasons you're not in salary caps considering a mid-price or a stepping stone option or two you're just not going to select him because he's burnt you in the past. And that's dangerous to rule a player out this early in January. Hey, man, appreciate your thoughts today on Brody Smith. No worries. Cheers. Uh, if you want to go and check out the rest of the articles, not just about Brody, but all the other players in the 50 most relevant, you can go and do that at coachespanel.tv. All the links to pledge and become a part of our Patreon. You can find that there, as well as how you can tune in every single day through Spotify, through iTunes to grab what you're doing right now the 50 most relevant daily podcasts, as well as other ones that are dropping incredibly frequently right here at the Coaches Panel. We appreciate your support so far in 2019.